the World Nomads podcast bonus episode. Here amazing nomads sharing their knowledge, stories and experience of world travel. Yeah, I've been fortunate enough to race a lot over my career the last 15-20 years uh, internationally all around the world and to come to Corella to the Malabar River Festival, it's uh, it's amazing. It attracts so many of the world's best athletes to rivers that are best in the world and we get the chance to compete against um, some of the strongest athletes in an amazing environment. Um, I've been fortunate enough to travel a lot around the world and race internationally at Olympic Games, at World Championship, slalom events, and uh, the level that we have here is totally on par with that. Um, the facilities, the rivers, they're, they're second to none. That is Kiwi whitewater kayaker Mike Dawson, who makes an art form of twisting and turning his way through whitewater rapids. He's not <laughs> I could imagine you doing it, the way you said that. Turning. He's not only an Olympian, Phil, but an experienced expedition paddler, having paddled rivers in the US, Africa, Europe, Mexico, and as you heard in that clip, India. And it's his expeditions that make him an amazing nomad. As, uh, he and his team are preparing to run the most remote and isolated rapids on the planet, the Kwanzaa. Africa's fourth largest river. Do we need a dun 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 the Kwanzaa? But before we hear more about that expedition and its challenges, as an Olympian, Mike lost his funding ahead of the Rio Games in 2016. That's tough. That's that's really tough. Unless you've got endorsements, and it's very tough for athletes. It is, and it's expensive to go to those things. That's yep. for sure. Well, after making costly mistake at the World Championships, yeah, um, we find out who it is that helped rub him out of those as well. Uh, what? Was that mistake? And then tell us how you cooked up an idea to personally fund your Rio campaign, Mike. Yeah, well, so slalom is uh, its a pretty cool sport. Um, basically, you have this set of gates and you've got to go through the gates. Otherwise, you get a 50-second penalty. And if you get a 50-second penalty in, uh, in the top level, it's game over. You basically come in last. And um, in, the, in the semifinal at the Worlds, I just... Um, just about missed a gate. I had to paddle back up, and it cost me about four or five seconds, which dropped me down to around 28th, I think, in the in the in the ranking. And that meant that I didn't meet the criteria for New Zealand to uh, get funding to go to the games. So had to be a little bit more innovative about um, raising money to get there. Before we get into this innovative way of raising money, too, yes. was it who who was it actually? You tell me that issued that penalty. Oh, um, I don't know, but I know what you're talking about. You're talking about when my mum gave me a penalty in the, in London. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. That was, a, that was pretty funny. So um, your mum's a judge. And you went, nah. She uh-huh. was. <laughs> five. <laughs> so it wasn't at the World Championships, but at the London Olympics, your mum gave you a penalty. That's harsh. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. It's uh, I didn't know it was her. And the thing is that you have three judges per gate, so it's not really her that gave it to me, but... Um, I remember saying something at the bottom uh, to the to the media, being like, "I think my mum gave me a judge." And it turned into this big story in London. Uh, and then the the funniest part was, um, Dad had actually he was coach coaching me at that stage, so he filled out the paperwork to protest it because um, <laughs> we weren't sure about it. Uh, but it, it worked out in the end. It was a touch, and uh, she made the right call, so that's good. <laughs> oh, and that was the last time the family was ever together. <laughs> anyway, <Yeah. laughs> now come on, so here we go. We've got a pun here. So what was your idea that you cooked up to get you to Rio? Yeah, so, um, well, like we were talking about nomading and travelling around the world, I, I realised that uh, I had quite a few stories and some cool pictures. So my partner and I, we put together a cookbook um, and we took all these recipes from all these people we'd met around the world 
So back in the day when we were like smell of an oily rag on the circuit, trying to just get from race to race, we'd often stay with friends. Or when we went to Africa, we'd travel and stay in the little villages and, and things like that. And we learned like heaps of these uh, cool recipes and cool foods. So we put together this cookbook that had a, a few stories from the road and then a bunch of really cool recipes and a little bit about where those came from. And then um, then I just sold that to, to raise the money to get to the games. And it, it went really well. I was like blown away by how many Kiwis and not just Kiwis, but people all around the world that supported it and, um, and helped me get to Rio, basically. Be- before we get into the recipes, can you still get a copy of the book? Are there still copies I tried to Google it. No, I think what you've raised nah. the books, that's it. Yeah, so that was the whole idea is like uh, basically I needed to raise 40 grand and uh, it went really well and, it, and I managed to raise that, you know, pretty quick. Well, not quite all of it, but enough to get the trip going. And then um, I used the money that I didn't spend in Rio to give something back to the local guys and turn the book off. So now I just have few hundred copies sitting in my office okay well, I've, got give, give them away. I've got about four questions that come out of that last sentence all right wait i still want to get back to some recipes what do you mean you help some local guys what do you do well so um the cool thing with slalom is that to be good at it you have to go to the venue a lot so say track cycling or something basically every track is pretty much the same you kind of know what you're going to get and in a few days you figure out the track whereas slalom there's so many features on the course you have to go and learn every combination because you don't know the course they're going to set so before rio we were there for i think for 12 weeks off and on over the course of the year so every every two or three weeks we'd fly to rio spend two weeks there training on the course and fly out to recover from the chaos but um what that meant is we got like a much more sort of feel for the city and we got to see a whole lot more going on. So um, we decided, me, a Brazilian guy, decided to make some food packages and go and drop them off around uh, Rio because we'd seen so many homeless people. And we were also staying in the cheapest hotel we could find, which was right in the middle of the favela. So we had like a little bit of a more um, exposure to that side of the city than perhaps staying in the Olympic Village during the Games we would have. So uh, it was pretty cool. We got to meet some people we'd probably never talk to or never never meet, and I hope we made their day and, and gave them a little bit of a leg up for a few days. That's cool. Um, but it was a lot of fun as well. All right. Now we're down another rabbit hole. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I, living in a favela, I mean, people... I know you can well, we weren't, we weren't living in the favela, but the <laughs> right okay, next to right it, right yeah. Next to it. yeah. But um, a lot of people, I know you can do favela tours and what have you, and even World Nomads, we've actually done some videos where we send our general manager, Chris Noble, into <laughs> a favela. And it was, you know, an amazing experience, he says, and I think that comes through the film. How did you find it? How did you, I mean, did you think it was well, dangerous? Well, nah, like we were pretty relaxed. We'd been on so many, uh, with the expedition kayak, and you go to a lot of places that are, kind of dangerous and you get into a lot of situations that you you scare yourself so rio felt pretty safe um but in saying that when we were doing the food drop we were making a, a little kind of film about it to showcase um the other side of the game uh, the, the city outside of the games and and kind of showcase the stories of the guys that wouldn't be able to buy the tickets and wouldn't be able to be part of the olympics too much and uh, me and my buddy jumped on this. They have a chairlift that takes you up to Del Costello, which is kind of the central drug trafficking favela. And uh, we ended up at the top of this favela, standing on a corner, and then we started, like, hiding. 
because there was quite a lot going on. And then um, we started sort of filming a bit. And then this lady came running out of nowhere. We're like, to get out of there would take a good, you know, hour and a half of running through the favela. So we're kind of scared. And uh, she's like yelling at us in Portuguese. Basically, we get the gist of, you need to get out of here right now. So we we jump back into the chairlift. We'll run back up to the – because they have the chairlift so you can safely get in and out for the locals. And jump back into the chairlift and just – just gapped it. <laughs> what were all the other athletes doing while you were doing this, Mike? Oh, they were training. <laughs> How did you go in the Rio Games? Oh, good. Um, it was awesome. I was I was in the final, so I got a chance to race for the medals. Ended up finishing 10th, but um, it was one of the best finals we've had in our sport, so just a few seconds off the pace, and, uh, and that was enough to drop 10 spots, but super happy with my performance, and I was actually really stoked to be part of the experience. Um, one of the other Kiwis won a medal, which is the first medal we've ever won in canoe slalom because it's predominantly like a European-dominated sport. So to see a Kiwi standing on the podium was was pretty special for me as well and be part of that. So it was a wicked experience to be to be in Rio. So, okay, let's get to the fact that you are also kayak wild rivers. What's the difference between a slalom course and a wild river? So a slalom course is super controlled. It's concrete. They build a little hill about eight metres high, pump the water to the top, run it round a course that's all man-made and constructed to be perfect for racing. So it's very consistent. It's very, like, black and white. And basically you learn how to be really, really precise, do the gates as fast as you can and, and try not to make mistakes. Um, and if you do make a mistake, that's just the end of your race. It's not really going to change your life. And at the bottom of the run, you hop on the conveyor, go back to the top, and just do lap after lap. Um, expedition kayaking on the other side is when you find a, pe- a river. So we like uh, we know all these river systems around the world, um, like the one we're going to go to in Angola, where you have sort of a 1,500-metre-high plateau, and then you've got a, a water source that feeds the Zambezi one way and feeds the Kwanzaa the other way. So you know that there's going to be huge rapids. The river has to drop sort of 1,500 metres. And you map it out and plan it and check the gradient and see if it's if it's even possible to run those rapids. And then at some point you just fly to Angola, get on the river at the top, and you try and make your way from point A to point B. And it's uh, you go to well, you go to way cooler places for starters. You're in the middle of absolute nowhere. It's just you, your team, and the river, and you just make your way down rapid after rapid. Um, the difference is is like when you're out there, you're you're alone. You know, if something goes wrong, you've got to figure it out and, and work through it um, compared with the Olympic side. So that's so, so really, really different, but also doing one gives you skills for the other and doing the other gives you skills for slalom. So Sounds a lot great. of fun. Oh, there you go. You're all right. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds way cool. What could possibly go wrong? No, that's a real question. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> well, you hope nothing, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. But you, you, do, you do like uh, – we, we may look like we're just – reckless and rocking off around the world but you spend a lot of time planning and mapping it out um making sure that you have exit points if something does go wrong so you could have an injury dislocated shoulder um other thing is uh in your kayak if you get stuck somewhere you might have to swim you might lose all your gear be walking out um africa you got crocs hippos snakes angola you got landmines um you've got malaria there's there's a lot going on that you've got to plan and and, uh, and make sure you take into account. Also, when you go into some of these countries, you've got access problems. Sometimes 
some officious policeman just wants to arrest you. I don't know. Um, or there's a lot going on, but it's that's what makes it cool, you know. You're you're going to be the first person ever go to those places, the first person to meet a lot of those people and see what you see, and that's kind of why we do it. When we launched our Amazing Nomads bonus episodes, the first person we spoke to was Sarah Davis, who is uh, planning to paddle in October the length of the Nile. Um, you have the obvious paddling skills, which she she does too, but she has done a whole heap of other courses, survival courses, for example. What other prep have you done apart from uh, knowing how to negotiate Apart rabbits? from being an Olympian. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, before, um, before I went on one of my trips to Africa, I was just Googling what to do in a croc attack. And that was uh, – <laughs> and I came up with this ingenious way is you've got to get your hand down its mouth far enough so that the little valve that keeps the water out of its lungs um, opens. And that was kind of our, our joke plan if we got attacked. But to be honest, go we – Go for the valve. Yeah, go for go the for valve. The croc you know? valve. <laughs> Yeah, good luck putting your hand Being a Kiwi, we're not used to not used to anything uh, attacking us, you know. But um, we do plan. Like, we all have first aid training. Uh, I generally take something like an in-reach with me. So if a worst-case scenario, you've got comms at least and, and a helicopter could come and pick you up. Um, we do river rescues courses. Well, actually, we, we yeah, like not too much. But but just by being on the river, you, you know a lot of skills around um, rope work and uh, – how to get your buddies out and and we've been doing this i started this when i was 13 so almost 20 odd years so um learn a couple of little things but you still find yourself in situations you have absolutely no idea what you should do in um the the section that sarah's going to be paddling the the whitewater section is called murchison falls on the nile and we ran that a few years ago and that was that was full on um it's like five days you're in a, a really big national park that has very little access and a hell of a lot of animals. Um, we would have passed a thousand hippos and, and they're really dangerous and a bunch of crocs. And I asked our, a guy, we had a local guy on the raft because we were paddling and you take a raft support so you can get out of, in the flat pool so the crocs can't get you and you sit on the raft. Um, what would happen if something went wrong? And he's like, well, you could walk to the road, which is 30 k's, but... There's no way you guys would make it. Why? <laughs> Just on the wildlife, did you see many snakes? Because Sarah is <laughs> scared of the snakes. Oh, like. there goes our clean rating for the oh. podcast. <laughs> yeah. Did we see many snakes? <laughs> did you see? Yeah. Many well, snakes? you don't. You don't see snakes, eh? Because um, I'm scared of snakes too. I've seen a few, um, but they freak me out. Snakes and spiders. And one, uh, I've got a friend. This guy, Pete Meredith, who's like. The absolute legend when it comes to backcountry Africa. He knows the ins and outs of everything, how to get through any situation. And when uh, I'm scared to go like a meter away from the river into the bush because I'm freaking out about anything in there. And uh, and he's like, just don't step on a puff adder. I'm like, what's a puff adder? And he's like, oh, it's a snake that will just lie on the path. It won't move. But when you step on it, it'll just bite you. And uh, and that's it. Wow. So um. You don't really see snakes. You see a lot of crocs, a lot of hippos. Um, you might see some wildlife kills on the other side of the river or something, but animals generally run a, run away from you. Well, you've thought the croc through far more than Sarah. She was just <laughs> going to whack it on the head with her paddle. <laughs> I hope it's not that close. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, if it's that close, you, yeah, you're probably screwed. Yeah. So when, you, when are you doing it? when's this all starting? When are you doing it? Yeah, so we're heading down uh, end of October, start of November. We've got a wicked team. Um, the first, uh, we went there to like Ricky it in 2015. 
um, and got on the river. But there was just me and one buddy had a hard time convincing uh, a good team to come. So, so we did what we could, but basically just laid the foundations to go back this year. And we'll have uh, we'll have five athletes on the water, which is good because um, you can set better safety. You can work much more as a team to get down the river. You can go into the bigger gorges because you, you can get yourself back out with two of you. You know, like if you paddle too far down, you might end up on a rock deep in a gorge without any exit strategy. So with a bigger team, it just gives you more freedom to um, to do more out there. So what does this do for, I mean, this is a way of travelling, using adventure to travel around. But do you get sort of, you know, accustomed to the adrenaline? Like, do you ever sit in a beach with a book? <laughs> with a book? Yeah, I mean, uh, Rio with uh, Caipirinha on the oh, Copacabana, yeah, you know. Yeah. Ice coconut, um, for sure. You know, uh, it is a way of traveling, and and on the the whole thing of traveling, it's um, it's a cool way to meet a lot of people. And there's like this high end expedition kayaking, that stuff where you go to rivers that you might that have never been run before, and it's kind of edge of your seat stuff. And we've done it a lot that you're comfortable, you just make a decision and and go with it and assess each risk as it comes along. But there's a whole other side of it where you go, um, you know, travel from sport going to a surf spot where people go to go surfing like uh banda Aceh in Indi- indonesia where it's the same thing they're going there to do something that might scare them and give them that adrenaline rush but they're going there because the people that are around the places you get to go to and the fun you get to have there and the kind of lifestyle aspect so yeah we we're getting to the high end and getting scared and and trying to do things that haven't been done before but at the same time it's that whole similar vibe of just good times good travel good stories and uh, and having a lot of fun which kind of brings us back full circle to your ori- original travel then and your recipe book so give me <laughs> a couple of your favorite recipes out of the book so uh one of the coolest recipes in the book is the czech goulash and i'll I'll tell you that story because I'm actually in Prague in Czech Republic right now and that's one of my best buddies uh, we used to stay at his parents house and his mum would always cook this recipe, the Czech goulash. So um, we loved it and, it, and it reminded us a lot of the good times when you're younger and you're a bit more carefree and, and, um, and just living it up as much as you can in Europe. Uh, so we put that in there and put her recipe and a little story about him and his family because they were so good to us. And so each recipe is kind of like that. Plus we have the pavlova, New Zealand tradition, and um, some French crepes. We've got... Uh, bolognese that um an italian friend we we used to during the races have like my kitchen rules kind of style cook-offs um long before my kitchen rules but uh the italians would generally cook amazing food compared to the kiwis and are you contesting for 2020 tokyo games yeah yeah we're in full swing now so that's why i'm in prague we train uh on the course here they've got a wicked setup and um the men's kayaks i'm I'm in the men's kayak. So kayakers, we sit, paddle with two blades. Um, we Our program is based here for the next uh, six weeks, and then we fly down to Rio again for the World Championships. Um, so we're just kind of in the build-up to 2019, which is Olympic selection, and then 2020 for the Games. All right. Well, well don't miss sure. any gates. Yeah, don't, don't miss any yeah, gates. Don't miss any I was gates. Say, to make yeah. sure you don't let the, the uh, crocodiles near you because your country is depending on you, that's Mike. That's right. Or if you do, get the crocodile clacker. That's where you're down straight and get the, I'll tell you the what, croc clacker. When a croc is paddling, uh, chasing you, you, yeah. you go faster than you do in any race, that's for sure. Funny that. Best of luck. Yeah, thanks a lot. It's awesome to chat to you guys. 
good luck on both the Olympic selection, Mike, and the expedition. You can find our Amazing Nomad bonus episodes alongside the Amazing Nomads Destination podcast on iTunes and the Google podcast app for Android. Uh, if you know an Amazing Nomad, uh, we should highlight, especially women. We've spoken to a lot of blokes. Let's, yeah. let's get some amazing women going, all right? Send us an email at podcast at worldnomads.com. Next episode, we're off to Uruguay. Amazing Nomads. Be inspired.